Sagemont Church is a gathering of Christian believers in the southeast area of Houston, Texas. Today's message is from our senior pastor, Dr. John Morgan. We're going to immediately get into the Word of God, and I want you to open your Bible to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, and I'm going to have you once again, out of respect to the Word, to stand for the reading of the text of the morning that I want to open with as I talk to you about it may be time for a change. It may be time for a change. Well, go ahead and stand. Uh, I'm glad you're anxious. I want today to try to get you to think a little differently maybe than what you were thinking when you came in. Where there's oftentimes we want to talk about change and we sure want to see everything around us change. Matter of fact, for most of us, the only thing that we don't want to change is ourselves. But if everybody else would just change, then we'd have a whole lot better life. Well, let's see what the scripture says about that. I want to open up with a very familiar text from Philippians chapter 2 where Paul said to this little church over in Philippi, I've got a word for you and I want you to listen, he said. And he opens the scripture in the second chapter of Philippians. Let me read to you out of the King James translation. If there be therefore... Any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill you my joy, that you may be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven, things in earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 12, listen to these brief words. For if there be first a willing mind, it is accepted according to that a man has and not according to what he has not. Would you be seated, please? And thank you for standing out of respect to the reading of the word. Again, we hear a lot about change. Times are changing. Everything is changing. It is a political world, word, change. We hear a lot of talk about it. Most of that talk is pointed in other directions other than towards ourselves. But when we think about change and the need to change, and it starts off with in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, he made man, 
and man sinned. And when man sinned, sin entered into the world. From that moment until now, every person comes in this world a sinner. That we're born that way. We need to change. If we don't change, we live and die in our sins, according to the teaching of the Scripture. But no one can make a change in what they do until they change the way they think. You see, our thinking precedes everything that's going on around us. Whatever we believe today is a result of what we've thought up until this moment. Our beliefs come from our thinking. Emerson said a man's life consists of what he has been thinking all day. Now, when you see some of these surveys about what men think about and what women think about and what teenagers think about, that ought to scare you to death. <laughs> it's how our mind moves about, and we have so many things trying to influence the way we think. And the Scripture says, let the mind be in you which is in Christ Jesus. Well, the only way that mind can be in you is for Jesus to come live his life in you and live his life through you through the person of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that the man thinketh, so is he. When we think about all of that kind of uh, things coming out of scriptures, it's just very simple. What we think determines who we are. Proverbs 23 and 7, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. See, that's another reason you need to read a proverb every day. It just happens, not by coincidence. It's just the way it's put together. Every day, Proverbs has a word for each of us. You know, when you start thinking right, then you can start changing some things that need changing. And when we think differently, our actions are different. So we think and then we do. Now, when you get those two mixed up, you're in trouble. We do and then we think. And the next morning we wonder, why did I do that? Because the night before you didn't think. You were acting on feelings. You were acting on emotions. You were following what everybody else was doing. And all kinds of trouble arise. So, let me put it in some other words. Our thoughts determine our destiny. When you're sitting here right now, and, and many different thoughts are going through your mind. Some of you still haven't arrived at church. You're still thinking about this afternoon, last week, next week, next year, all and on and on and on. But here's the point. The Lord laid out very clearly who he was. Let me, let me ask you this. Who was Jesus? Was it the Word did what? The Word became flesh. God became flesh. That's a big change, Right? And then when Jesus went back to heaven, he left the Holy Spirit. He was here in the physical. He said, it's best for me, that I go, for you, that I go away. So he goes back. And then what happens? The Holy Spirit comes. Change. Now, I can see three groups forming, maybe three denominations, you know. There was a denomination of the Father, that of the Son, that of the Holy Spirit. Because I'm not going to move along and be what God wants me to be. I change not. It's my motto. I'm just the way I am. Don't ever say that. That will scare everybody that knows you <laughs> away from you. 
You're here today because your thoughts brought you here. You didn't just drive down the freeway with no thought whatsoever and ended up sitting right here. You made some choices. Your thought has brought you and your mind to be right here. Maybe some of you last night weren't planning on coming to church today. No show of hands, but it could be. And you're here because you woke up this morning and did what? You changed your mind. Now, women have total freedom to do that. It's the men that kind of feel guilty when we do. Well, people who seek to follow Jesus, let me let you in on a little secret. They think different than people that don't follow Jesus. They think differently. In every area of their life, they think about how does Jesus influence my marriage, my health, my children, my business, my money, my habits, my language, my thoughts, my choice of television programs, my, my thought of what I bring into my body. What, does, what changes that? Jesus. When he comes in and he begins to live his life through us, then change takes place. Let me just let you in on something real early. Don't let politicians change your mind. Don't let the Republicans or the Democrats or the Libertarians or the Independents or any other group change your mind. Let God change your mind. His ways are higher than the ways of any human beings. He does things totally different. None of us are righteous, no, not one. It matters, not the labels that we put on us. We can have denominational labels. That means nothing. It's the mind of God. What would Jesus do? Not would, what would that group or this group do? Jesus said this. He said, as in the sermon the last two weeks, Jesus said, follow me and I'll change you. I will make you fishers of men. What were they fishing for? Fish. How did, what did he do? He changed them. Just like that. They put down their nets and they followed the Lord. Small things, or small thinking, I should say, leads to a common and a mediocre existence. It is so sad that we are so easily influenced. And those that are a lot smarter than us know it. We believe almost everything we see on television and tell everybody what I saw on TV or if you still read the newspaper, what I read in the paper. But then when they pin you down, you say, I don't believe what I see on television and I don't believe what I read in the newspaper. All I did was just tell everybody what I read with some authority. I read this in the paper. I saw this on the news. We're so easily influenced by commercials. We see these glorious commercials and about all these deals on cars and right down at the bottom of the screen in little bitty writing that you have about eight seconds to look at, it says to you, everything you've heard for the last 30 seconds is a lie. <laughs> Everybody's got all kinds of, of legal problems. You know, they inhaled this or inhaled that and this law firm is going to do it. Read what it says at the bottom. Don't read the ad. Don't listen to the ad. Read what it says at the bottom. It says... You may lose money in this deal. That's what it says. All you've heard was, I'm going to get in on those billions of dollars they're giving away, and I've come up with some problem. But we're so easily influenced by this. Now, the world knows it, but when you and I have the mind of Jesus, Jesus was an easy influence. Did you ever notice that? You say, yeah, he was kind of hard-headed. Well, maybe he was, because he happened to be right all the time. <laughs> 
Sometimes our change needs to be from wrong to right. When we make a change from right to wrong, then we get in trouble. It's very difficult to follow Jesus because his ways are so much higher than the ways of the world. It's easy to follow the world, folks. It is easy to follow the world. It's easy to want to go where they go, do what they do, participate in what they do. That is like getting in a a kayak and floating down a river. You're just going to go with the flow wherever it goes. Sometimes I hear people say, man, I sure do get nervous in a crowd. I just get nervous in a crowd. You know what my suggestion to you is? Walk with Jesus. You won't have many people around you, I promise you. If crowds bother you, if you'll just walk with Jesus, if you'll notice, the closer he got to the cross, the smaller the crowd. He had 12 that was with him the day before, and only about five or six of them showed up at the crucifixion. Because the the more you walk with Jesus, the fewer people that you're going to be around. And you say, but that's, that's my problem. They may think I'm weird. You are. I am. The Bible says we're a peculiar people. But it also says we're a royal priesthood. I've heard famous, uh, the, the children of famous people, uh, the prince in England, hear them talk about the lonely life of being the prince, you know. You hear the, the stories about the famous people that were so lonely because they were so different. Christians are different people. Again, we're a peculiar people. But here's what Paul said. He said this in the fourth chapter of Philippians, verse 8. Finally, brethren, listen to this. Whatever things are, are true, whatever things are honest, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. See, he gives you a list. Here's where you want to do your thinking. Now, here's a fact. You can choose your thoughts. You can decide how you're going to think, and where you're going to go to get answers to the questions that you have. You say, yeah, that's the reason I got Google, you know. You know, me and that girl, what's her name, Iris, or whatever her name is, and she's supposed to know everything, you know, when you push your iPhone. I'm just learning, folks, but, you know, we're getting acquainted. (laughs) She messes me up all the time. I'm trying to get places she says there's no such place, you know, all that kind of stuff. You know, you can choose your thoughts about others, but you can't control what other people think about you. Don't you ever forget that. You can't control what they think, but you can control what you think. And Jesus, knowing that, he said, now I want to tell you how I want you to think. I want you to think like I think. And let my mind be in you, so you will see others, and you will be able to forgive You will be able to be merciful. You will be able to be kind and compassionate and forgiving because that's who I am. And I will live my life through you. Am I talking to anybody today and this question would uh, be relevant to you? Do you know what Jesus thinks about you? Do you really know what he thinks about you? You say, oh, I can only imagine. After last week, there's no telling. You know, I'm not sure he's thinking about me at all. You know what? Every breath you take, he's aware of it. Every step you walk, everything you're facing, he knows about it. But let me tell you something. If you want to know, you can know 
Because God tells you what he thinks about you. He says, I want you to be in my family. I want to adopt you. I want you to change and quit following the world and come and take up your cross and follow me. And if you will follow me, I may not make, make you a fisher of men. I may have another responsibility, but in some way I am going to use you to bring people to me. And I'm going to use you right where you are. <clears throat> Anybody today, if I were to get you in a quiet place, would you say, I'm not feeling good today. Could I ask you another question? Are you thinking good today? As a man thinketh, so is he. You say, but my finger hurts. Well, how are the other nine doing? <laughs> just a thought, just a thought, you know. I wonder if a lot of us, if not all of us, are not spending way too much time in reading what we shouldn't be reading and listening to the thoughts of other people that we shouldn't be listening to as to how they live their life rather than spending significant time alone with God as to how God wants us to live our life. When people are out of shape physically, what do they, what do they think about doing? Start eating right, working out, going to the gym. You know, I'm going to the gym. Buy that exercise equipment. The funniest thing I ever saw was when we had our auction and we had a building packed full of exercise equipment. <laughs> Man, we had those bars, you know, that came down, $5,000 pieces. You couldn't sell them for 50 bucks. <laughs> Still had the stickers on them. One day of that, I'm through with that stuff. You know, we look in a mirror and we see what we don't like physically and we want to do something about it. What about mentally? What about looking at ourselves and seeing that we're mentally out of shape. We're not thinking like Christians. Well, you're working on it? Well, I just don't know what to do. Get in the Word. Study the Word. Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of truth. Throw away those novels. Turn off those crazy soap operas. Quit trying to go to every movie that comes out of Hollywood. Get along with God and change and get in shape mentally and let every sunrise remind you that God is still in control and everything every time you see that full moon go across the sky say my what an awesome God we serve we're so mixed up in our thinking it's terrible this is not a political statement what I'm fixing to say but I say it with all the sincerity in my heart as I'm speaking to you this morning there's major problems in Syria there has been some horrific things happen in Syria that the world is watching every few minutes. The first report came out about the chemical weapons that were used by a terrible leader that brought the deaths of 1,400 and some odd, including, listen to me, 463 children. We saw the movies. Now the big political talk, our president's going to talk with us, he's going to tell us what to do. Now get out of the politics on this and you hear what I'm saying. It's kind of ironic that America is so shook up about the innocent children in Syria that are being gassed and tomorrow we will kill 3,000 babies in the wombs of their mothers in the United States of America. Now where are the politicians in that? 
If they want to save the lives and do what God would do, suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. But don't get emotional about Syria till you get emotional about America. And don't talk about innocency over there. Let's talk about it right here at home. That's the way Jesus thinks. What would Jesus do if he ran America? Would he attack Syria? I think, first of all, he would clean up the abortion in America. That's what I think. I'm not him, but I know what he says. But we'll get in a fight over our politics. It's not about that. It is about Jesus. 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 We can have broad opinions about things that don't really matter. But we need to get focused, folks, about what really does matter. Is Jesus your Lord and Savior? Have you ever confessed him before men? He said, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father. Have you ever been baptized? No, I'm thinking about it. I'm praying about it. Well, if you were thinking about it based on the Bible, you would read, repent and then be baptized, every one of you, because your sins have been remitted. Now, what are you going to think now? You need to think about when, not if. And the sooner the better. Right now, while I'm talking to you, there are 11 people that I know of in this building talking to people to give their heart to Jesus right now while I'm communicating here. Not in this auditorium, but in other rooms. 11 are here when I walked in this building. They want to know, how can I know that I know that Jesus lives in my life? I'm ready to make a change, is what they're saying. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. When you change your way of thinking, you change your way of living. We all live from the inside out. When we start thinking right, personal things change, possibilities change, our future changes for the better, all of it. There's some things that I know to be, be true when it comes to changing your mind. You say, I just don't know what I'm going to do. Could I just tell you God knows what he wants you to do? And he said, if you'll take me by the hand, I will lead you to do it. First thing I want you to go away from here to know is God has a plan for your life. The Bible says in Proverbs 16 and 9, a man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Is God directing your steps today? I believe he has. I believe he directed your steps to turn on the television. I believe he, he directed your steps to be here in this building. I think people have gone to churches around the world today. God has directed their steps. But will there be any change take place? God has a plan. But the second thing I know is, not only does God have a plan for your life, but you can know what that plan is. I could spend a lot of time on this one, but I just tell you real quickly, 2 Peter 3, 9 says, The Lord's not slack concerning his promises, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, that all should come to repentance. Amen. That's God's plans for your life. Yeah. Jeremiah 29 and 11. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, they're thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Pretty clear. Yeah, yeah third graders can understand that. You say, I just don't know, I'm just worried about if you quit worrying. That'll add not one, one cubit to your statue. Mind over matter. You don't mind, it don't matter. <laughs> I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. I know, that, I know that my Redeemer lives and he sits at the right hand of the Father. I know that. I will live by that and I will die by that. That's what you need to be saying. Because not only...
Does he have a plan? And you can know the plan, but God wants you to be effective in your life. He wants you to count for something. I don't think that God wants you to be successful by the world's standards, but I do know he wants you to make an impact. Your children think you're the greatest thing next to God if you have children living at home. Now act like God. Dads, let others, your children, see Jesus in you. Be effective at the work. Don't be the person at work that just, just says, I'm not going to talk about Jesus at work. But say, you know what? I'm not going to just talk the talk. I'm going to start walking the walk. And people start asking the question. When they ask the question, then I'll respond to the questions. I encourage you. If you want to change, be obedient to the word. If God says change, change. There are many words that we used like repentance let me read to you out of Luke 6 46 why do you call me Lord Lord and do not the things which I say great question don't you think why do you call me Lord Lord and do not what I tell you to do why do you go around telling everybody you're a Christian and you handle your finances exactly like the world handles theirs tonight I'm gonna have the privilege to talk to any of you to come it costs you nothing to come and I want to try to show you practically I don't care what earning power you have or like thereof God has a plan for your finances and you don't have to worry about what's going to happen to the economy God's economy is good today it was good yesterday it'll be good in the future he owns a cattle on a thousand hills he owns the hills they graze on you're his heir when you're heir and a joint heir with Christ you don't have to worry but you got to learn to live as Jesus teaches us to live that's in every area of our life and whenever you do walk with God, you know God's plan, you begin to do what he tells you to do, be obedient, then and only then do you begin to affect other people's lives. Whenever God changes you, then others can change. I want to say this another time. Quit trying to change other people. Change yourself. That's where we got to all work. It's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord. You remember that old song? Stand in what? In the need of prayer. It needs to begin with us. Send a great revival and let it begin in me. I want to change. I want to put away childish, foolish things. And I want to walk after you. I get a lot of illustrations, as you know, out of the news. Not ancient news, but recent news. It amazes me how people think. I was aware of the minimum wage thing and the, and the $9 up to $15 and going to march and shut down the hamburger place and all that kind of stuff and carry your placards and all that. And that's a big deal. That's a big deal. I know, and I'm, I'm, I'm meddling a little bit here. But I just got a thought. If somebody that wants a 66% raise... Are they willing to work 66% harder for the company that they work for in order for the company to make more money to pay them their well-deserved 66% raise? Just a thought. Just a thought. The point is, if you work for whoever you work for and it's all about you, you got a problem. The way to make more money is to let your company make more money or whoever pays your salary. But that's the world's thinking. My name is Jimmy, and what are you going to give me? <laughs> and if you don't, I'm going to carry this placard. Probably some of those owners say, well, it's good for you to work for a day, to get out there in the sun, carry a placard all day, you know, and see how much you get paid for that, you know. 
But you see, the world is so messed up, and we're messing up the minds of our young people because we don't think like Jesus thinks. He says, oh, no man, anything but to love one another, but to serve, be a servant. Jesus was a servant. He came to serve. The greatest vocation in the world is being a servant, and a servant is those that make other people a success. And when you make your wife happy, she makes you happy. You make your company money, your company ought to bless you with a part of that. No question about that. But not, I don't plan to do one thing different. All I want is more and more and more. That's not God's way. Not God's way. You'll be surprised what will happen to your company when you really start giving it much more even than 100%. I was watching Mike Huckabee the other night. He had Mike Rowe on, I believe is his name. He's that guy that has the dirtiest jobs in the world. You know what I'm talking about? Does the Ford commercials? Well, he was on there. He was interviewing him. And uh, this guy's a working man. And uh, he identifies working man. I just always enjoy that when, I, when he was getting all them dirty jobs and all that kind of stuff. And so I was listening to him, and, and I know Mike, and I, and I know what, where Mike was going, some of this questioning he was doing. So he asked him a question. Here's what he said. Now, this is from a working man. He says, you know what bothers me is when a government doesn't have any money, loans it to college students that don't need a $100,000 debt when they graduate, especially when they prepared themselves for jobs that don't exist. Amen. Just a thought. But you see, that's how confused we are. One guy says, how long have you been working for your company? He said, ever since they told me they won't fire me if I didn't start. <laughs> but isn't it amazing that we believe if you get a degree, you can get a job? Wrong. Wrong. Nobody's going to be, be carried away with your diploma. They're going to be carried away with your attitude, your courage, your, your willingness to give more than is expected of you. And as long as you do that, you'll never have a problem. If you don't think Jesus is the way to heaven, how do you plan to get there? If Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and you won't change your mind, well, what are you going for? You think you can live a life good enough? Let's, uh, let's just, let's just uh, do it right quickly. Let's just clean the slate right now. Wipe everything out right now. Everybody's clean, pure, fresh. You've never sinned. You're sinless creations. Now, if I call you at 6 o'clock tonight, how will you be doing? Not good, probably. You'll probably have some thoughts you hadn't, and, and I'll have some that I shouldn't have, done some things, I probably don't take long, does it, for the wheels to come off. Have you noticed how easy it is to sin? Man, if dieting ever gets its easiest overeating, I will be able to weigh anything I want to weigh. I will guarantee you that's true. But as we look out and we think of our Lord saying, listen, I just know my plans for you and I want you to be blessed. I want you to, I want to provide everything you need. I want to be your protector so that no weapon is formed against you will prosper. I don't want you to be worried about your government. I want you to be worried about your relationship to me so that you walk with me and let me pick you up when everybody else is letting you down. Don't get frustrated because others are messing up. You don't have responsibility for them. You only have responsibility for yourself. Our individual goal is to be living proof of a loving God to a watching world. 
God is changing me into his likeness. Would you let him change you? Did you see? I saw it three times Friday, once Saturday. Young man who, and these are his words, got drunk. Or he said he was at a drinking party all night. And everybody was drinking. And uh, he got in the car, didn't have far to go home. But is in a terrible wreck and someone was killed. And of course he was charged with manslaughter. He made a statement that I hope every young person heard him make. He said, I hate the person I become when I'm drinking. That was his statement. It's not Bible. That was his statement. I hate the person I become when I start drinking. What would your counsel that boy be? How could he change and just like that never have such an experience again? Stop drinking. Right? Right. Not one drink, not two drinks, not three, not I'm going to go one. No, no, stop. See, that's the kind of change we're talking about. Well, how in the world am I going to live financially? You quit spending money. That's how you do it. I can't do that and keep up with everybody else. Yeah, and if you stay with them, you're going to end up like all of them are going to end up. But it's not difficult if you say, I'm just going to stop. I'm going to quit. I'm going to tear those cards up. I am going to do things differently. I'm not going to go on with this marriage like this. I'm going to say, honey, I love you. Please forgive me. I was wrong. And she says, no, you weren't. I was just as wrong as you were. And here we go with that kind of thing. But let her get it out. I was wrong. Please forgive me. I love you. Wow. Let's go on a date. (laughs) I can remember the first time I met you. Across a crowded room. (laughs) I feel so bad about myself. The Lord let you go through all that as well. You know, we are what we are. Drunkards, maybe. Broke. Angry. Hopeless. Discouraged. And even lost. You know why? We chose to be. We chose to be. Why don't you change your mind? Why don't you say today, I'm changing my mind. Fred Smith was one of the great thinkers of of just not that many years ago, but when I was a young man, I used to love to hear him speak. He said, if you really want to be different, you would be in the process of changing right now. If you really want the future to be different, you'd be in the process of changing right now. Good thought. Good thought. Your intention means nothing. It's your behavior that makes a difference. You want your children to grow up and love God? You want your children to grow up and pick right friends? Do you want your children to stay away from the things that will destroy them? Do you want your beautiful daughters to have a wonderful marriage and raise a family and have a husband that's faithful to her? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Why don't you start walking with God today? Why don't you start bringing your family to church? Why don't, why don't you let your children come in an environment where they can meet other Christians? And why don't you meet some other Christians? Where you can have a wonderful time of enjoyment and rest with the people that walk with God. The choice is up to you. I close with this illustration. It's humorous, but it makes a point. Earl Weaver <clears throat> used to 
be the manager of the Baltimore Orioles. You may not have known him, but every American League umpire knew Earl Weaver. He was adamant with umpires. He had zero tolerance for umpires. And the story is told of him. He had one thing that was pretty common. Whenever a ball game started, he just looked for the first opportunity to go jump on the umpire. And the first time the umpire made a call and he called it a strike when he thought it was a ball or the runner's call safe when he thought he was out, the first time that happened, Weaver would get up off the bench, run out to the umpire, shake his finger in his face, and he would say, are you going to get any better or is this it? <laughs> Think about it. Umpire, you going to get any better or is this it? Is this the best you can do? We're in for a long ball game. Would you take and let's turn that around? Are you going to get any better? Or is this it? Are you going to say, as for me, I'm going to change and follow the Lord. Or as for me, I'm going to sit here till I die. And bring it on, devil. I can take it. Or are you going to say, no. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I pray you'll change. What a wonderful change. And my life has been wrought since Jesus came in to my heart. Every believer here will tell you when that day came and I made that decision, the greatest decision I ever made in my life. I just wished I'd have made it sooner. We can't go back to the past. We're in the right now. And so as this service closes, how about you? The only thing that I can assure you is doing nothing is a choice to fail. Doing nothing is a choice to fail. You say, I just don't think I can do it. Paul felt that way. But he said, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Well, I think maybe tomorrow, the Bible says, no, today is the salvation is a day of salvation. Now is accepted time. Why not? Is there one rational reason that you could give the Lord who sent his son to die on a cross for you as to why today you would not do an about face, repent and come to him and throw all of your burdens and all of your cares upon him because he cares for you. I can't change you. The person beside you can't change you. Your best friend can't change you. We can't change your mind. Even. You've got to do that. And we certainly can't change your way of living. But we know one who can. And he will. He says, whoever cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast out. This is not a lottery. It's 100%. No one ever asked Jesus to come into their life that he didn't come in. And you're not going to be an exception either. That's the reason we open up the Connection Center right now, the lobby out front. Not the one out where everybody is, but back this side, there's a private lobby just for people that are serious about making a change in their life. That lobby opens up through two doors. You go out the door over here where the tunnel is, one step out and look to the left, and you'll see the two doors 
If you go out this door over here, look to the right, you'll see two doors. If you'll go there, male or female, young or old, if you're ready, God is ready. If you want the future to be different from the past, the door is open to you. If you choose to live where you live and accept the consequences and continue the way, that's your choice. No one is ever forced into changing their mind. And then let Jesus come and change your life. But that's your invitation. You're a VIP. You're a very important person. And the younger you do it, the more years you have to enjoy it. Would you do it? Our Heavenly Father, as we think about how foolish we all are when we start thinking on our own, when we've stayed away from the Bible for a while and we've started listening and to secular things, we hear things that sound reasonable and rational and right, but then we get back in your word and we see that there's so much hypocrisy there. There's so wrong. And God, the pain doesn't go away. I'm speaking to many today that go home, will go home if they don't change to a situation that Satan has played havoc with. And God, would you just encourage them that when they change, those that know them will change. They may change for the worse or the better, but they're going to change. And I pray, dear God, would you please give them the courage to take just a few moments out of this day and the rest of their life to make sure they understand they can change. They can put a smile where the frown is. They can put joy where there's sadness. They can be encouraged where they've been discouraged. They can find hope where they've been hopeless and find help where they've been helpless. Dear God, please. In Jesus' name, I ask you to rebuke Satan from entering the hearts and minds of those that are right now struggling. Should I? Will I? And what about now? And give them a clear word, and may they respond. We love you, Father, because you first loved us. And we thank you for this time together. And may there be one or many's lives be changed, not only for today, but for all eternity, because they changed the way they think, the way they feel, and what they're doing, and what they believe. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We pray that today's message has brought you to a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. Join us Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. at Sagemont Church in the Worship Auditorium. For more information, check us out at www.sagemontchurch.org.